Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov. Bashem Yeshua Mishikenu. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. God, we ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, that the life of your Ruach would come into us, invigorate us, empower us, and change us. Lord, that we surrender our lives to you, Adonai. Lord, that you would use us as you see fit. And we pray it all in Yeshua's name, and everyone said, Amen. Today we'll be looking at Devorah, or Deborah. And she is the first heroine in our series, Heroes of the Faith. If I could just say, this woman of God is truly an inspiration as you look into her life. In just two short chapters in the book of Judges, you cannot help but to be impressed. She is the total package of what it means to be a hero. So buckle your seatbelts. Get ready to be inspired and glean all you can from this incredible heroine of faith. Now, I want to encourage you, men, don't check out. Because I'll tell you what, Devorah will put us to shame. And we have a lot to learn from this powerful woman of God. So let's get into it. We're going to start in the book of Shoftim, or Judges, chapter 4. And it says, but after... Ehud had died. The people of Israel again did what was evil from Adonai's perspective. And we know that's a pattern with the children of Israel, right? So Adonai handed them over to Yavin, the king of Canaan. He ruled from Hatzor, and the commander of his army was Sisra, who lived in um, Haroshet Hagoyim. The people of Israel cried out to Adonai because he had 900 iron chariots and 24 years he cruelly oppressed the people of Israel. So Hatzor was a crucial city situated about 10 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. This location between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim places Devorah and her fellow Israelites in an area controlled by King Yavin of Hatzor, who had oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Passover is knocking at our door. And we as Jewish people, right, have suffered many, many oppressors over the years. And throughout the book of Judges, you see that the enemy comes to oppress God's people. Friend, tell you can't tell me in your walk with the Lord and your faith in Yeshua that the enemy hasn't come against you to oppress you, to steal, to kill, and destroy from your life. Of course he does. That's what he does against God's people. He comes to oppress. But God always raises up a mighty deliverer. Amen? Of more importance is the technological advantage that he enjoyed over his current foe. Although ironworking was first introduced in the region by the Plishtim around 1200 BCE, the Israelites never mastered the trade until after the reign of Shaul. That's important to note. That's why the 900 iron chariots is a significant uh, fact in the story. So it says in verse 4, 
that Devorah, I love this because this is like, bam, God gives it to us all at once and then he unpacks it. Now, Devorah, a woman, and a prophet, the wife of Lapidot, was judging Israel at that time. So Devorah lived around 1150 BCE. She is a woman. And the Bible goes out of its way to tell us that. It doesn't tell he's a man. And it doesn't even say Hadassah, she's a woman. It goes out of its way to tell us that she's a woman. She's a prophet. She's a wife. She's a leader. She's a warrior. And she's a worshiper. How's that for someone pretty impressive? She did all of that in her capacity as judge in Israel. She was the fourth judge in Israel's history. Let's go to verse 5. She used to sit under Devorah's palm. She had her own palm tree. How's that for a courtroom? Right? That she had her own little setup where you could come to the judge, Devorah, and get the judgment of God and hear the voice of God through her. She sat under the Devorah's palm between Ramah and Bethel in the hills of Ephraim, and the people of Israel would come to her for judgment. She sent for Barak, the son of Vinoam, and from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, Adonai has given you this order. Go march to Mount Tavor and take with you 10,000 men from the people of Naphtali and Zebulun. And I will cause Sisera, the commander of Yavin's army, to encounter you at the Kishon River with his chariots and troops, and I will hand him over to you. Now, look what Barak says. Barak says, he answered her, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, uh uh-uh, (laughs) not going. And what's her reply? Nervousness? Is she afraid? No, her reply is, yeah, I'll gladly go with you. Let's roll. But she tells him, but the way that you're doing it will bring you no glory because Adonai will hail Sisera over to a woman. And she's not talking about herself, by the way. Then Devorah set out and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun Naphtali to come to Kadesh. 10,000 men followed him, and Devorah went up with him. Just to note that here you have Devorah leading a guy like Barak. Now, Barak comes off a little soft in that. Ooh, I don't want to go, but when you hear me describe who Sisera was, according to Jewish history and folklore, you might think twice. He had good reason to be terrified to go up against such a commander. But not Devorah. Devorah is ready to roll because she is a powerful woman of God. And I'm going to look at six attributes of Devorah. First and foremost, the scripture goes out of the way to remind us, like I said before, that Devorah was a woman of God. She was a woman of God. What makes her the heroine that she is? First and foremost, she's a woman of God. You say, well, Rabbi, shouldn't that be a given? I don't know. You remember King Shaul? 
Was he a man of God? Not so much. Devorah was a woman of God. And here are the qualities that Devorah obviously possessed. And they are qualities that all people, man and woman, should seek to acquire. Michelet 31.30 says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You hear that? A woman who fears the Lord. And Devorah, let me tell you, feared the Lord. You know what? In our society, we put a lot of emphasis on the exterior. I don't want to say it. Not only women pretty themselves up, men. (laughs) But we put a lot of emphasis on that. But God's saying, no, no. It's the person who fears the Lord. That's powerful. If you want to be smart, how many people want to be smart? Okay, well, if you want to be smart then you will, fear the, you will fear Adonai because it says the fear of Adonai is the beginning of wisdom. So people who don't exercise a faith in God, guess what? Although they might think they're wise, the scripture says otherwise. It is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. Initially, 31.26, it says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And you know what? Devorah, as she sat under the palms, the people of Israel would come to her, and they would look for the wisdom that she would speak from the heart of God. Because she was a woman of God, a woman connected. Do you, I don't recall them doing any such thing to King Shaul or any of the other wicked kings that Israel had in her history. But they were flocking to Devorah because she had the heart and wisdom of heaven. In the Brit Kaddashah, it gives us more qualities of a godly woman. I want you to, because you know what, men, they're not just qualities that women need to have. They are qualities that people of God need to have. And it says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled. Friends, we live in a world that's out of control. We live in a world that encourages us to encourages us to live a life out of control. But a woman of God is self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Godly women like Devorah resonate a calm and quiet spirit. And we can sense this as we read through the account, especially the way she handles her interaction with Barak. She doesn't get flustered that Barak doesn't want to go up and, and obey the word of the Lord without her. After all, folks, she's a woman, right? She doesn't get flustered and say, do you expect me to go with you? She says, sure, no problem, let's go. Why was that? Because she was a woman of God who put a trust in God. Where's your trust today? 
For a woman of God like Devorah, our heroine, the scripture says this. Do not let your adorning or your beauty be external. The braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart. Say of the heart. Of the heart. With the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, women like Devorah, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. If you don't fear anything that is frightening. Devorah didn't fear that which was frightening. Because when I describe to you Sisera in a few minutes, you're going to say, that sounds frightening. Devorah wasn't afraid. She said, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go to war because not only was she a woman of God, she was a warrior of God. There are many great examples of strong godly women in the scripture to learn from. I just want to go through a few. How about Yael, who is in the same story? She's like a co-heroine with Devorah. She takes care of Sisera. She's the one that ends up putting the stake right through his temple. Because this man was a scary man. And I could only imagine, you figured, man, I get one shot at this. If I don't do it, I'm done. But she did it. Hannah in Shmuel Aleph, who models an intercessory life poured out before God. We would do well to take a page from her book. She, she prayed and her barrenness turned to fruitfulness. How many of us need a prayer life like Hannah? How about Lois and Eunice in 2 Timothy 1, who by their godly example of a life of faith, inspired a young man named Timothy to go into the service of Messiah and lay his life down to establish the first century Kehillah. How about Priscilla, the wife of Aquila, was a pillar in the early Kehillah in Jerusalem. Aquila and Priscilla were both um, tent makers, as was Shaul, and went on ministry trips with Rav Shaul to spread the Besorah of Messiah all throughout Asia Minor in the first century. A woman of God who is powerful and noted specifically in the scriptures. How about Miriam, mother of Yeshua? How about that? Look what it says about her. It says the angel, not a human, not a neighbor, not a friend, not one of her relatives, but an angel of God comes to Miriam and says, Shalom, favored lady. Favored lady of heaven. That's a pretty good, pretty good resume right there. I got a favorable rating from heaven. Favored lady from heaven. Adonai is with you. Then it goes on to say, don't be afraid, Miriam, for you have found favor with God. How many of us want to find favor with God? 
You know what these women? And like Devorah, the reason they found God's favor is because they were women of God. They were women who knew and understood the heart of God, who pressed in with prayer, listened, and heard the voice of God. Not to mention Ruth, who by her selfless service to Naomi landed herself in the lineage of Messiah himself. Women of God are a force for the kingdom, past, present, and future. The kingdom of God needs women of God to stand up and take their roles in the kingdom. Ladies, that should get you excited. The second thing we see about Devorah is that she was a prophetic voice in her generation. As a prophetess, it places her in good company of such women in the Tanakh, such as Miriam, Exodus 15, and Huldah, Melachim Bet, chapter 22. In verse 6, it says, She sent for Barak, the son of Enoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, we read this before, and said to him, Adonai, this is what she's hearing from God. She's saying, Adonai has given you this order. She's hearing for someone else. Adonai has given you this order. Go march to Mount Tavor and take with you 10,000 men from the people of Naphtali and Zebulon. I will cause Sisera, the commander of Yavin's army, to encounter you at the Kishon River with his chariots and troops, and I will hand him over to you. She spoke the mind and the heart and the will of Adonai to the children of Israel. She heard God's voice. In order to be a prophetic voice, and your, your relationship with God must be exemplary. And I want to challenge each and every one here today. How is your relationship with God? If you were to say to me, my relationship with God has been better in times past, then you need to get your relationship with God right. Devorah was able to speak to the people the words of God because she had a relationship with God and knew the heart of God. Let me ask you, if I were to say to you, if I were to have you come up one by one, tell me the heart of God for you, would you have an answer for me? Or would you say, I don't know. Would God speak to you this week? Would you have a word for me or would you say, I don't know. In these modern times, I find that so many want to be used of God or be the voice of God before they invest the time to be with God. (laughs) Ministry for God is a great sacrifice and requires selflessness in order to serve others. Fasting, praying, seeking, listening for God on a daily basis. Fasting, praying, seeking, listening Fasting, praying, seeking, listening should be a regular part of a person who's looking to hear from God. This is done not for solely personal edification, but it's done so other people could benefit. 
Where are the prophetic voices in our generation? Where are they? Where are the prophetic voices? Where are the people speaking the heart of God to our generation? Where are the people willing to pay the price to see God move? Don't you love to read the scripture and you find it powerful? Why do you find it powerful? Because it's built on the back of someone's sacrifice. Someone's sacrifice to give us this story. Someone sacrificed to give us salvation. Someone sacrificed and stepped out in faith in order to be a hero in the scripture. Where are those willing to pay the price to get close enough to God that like the Shaliach Yochanan would put their head on his breast and hear his heartbeat and hear the heart of God? Why are we content with low living when God calls us to soar on the heights? Why are we content with just slogging through life, low living, just doing the daily grind that everyone else does when God has caused us and called us to soar with the eagles? Only you can answer that question, right? Only I can answer that question. But I'm telling you, God is calling us higher. Closer. God is always speaking. He's looking for a vessel that will set themselves aside to hear and obey, just like Devorah did. There are no shortcuts to a move of God. The heavenly realities want to manifest in our lives. Do you know what I mean? The heavenly realities, the things that we read about in the scripture. He is Adonai Rapha, the Lord who heals. He wants to manifest that in our reality. And he does in spurts. But guess what? He wants to do it more regularly. Why? Because he loves us. Say, God loves me. Say it like you mean it. God loves me. God moved heaven and earth to save you from your sins. He has a vested interest in every single one of you. And he doesn't want you to just read about things that are far off. He wants you to experience those things. But to do it, we have to be like Devorah. Hear his heart, hear his voice. All these heroes and heroines that we are looking at in the series did exactly that. What will you do? What will I do? That's the million dollar question. What will you do? Listen, trust me. I've heard thousands and thousands of messages, as have you. And I've heard them and left. But we are in an hour that God doesn't just want us to hear and leave and just go about business as usual. He wants us to hear and leave and say, God, I will be that woman. God, I will be that man. God, I will seek your face. God, I will fast and pray and seek you and find you and hear you. God, I'll be a warrior in my generation. A warrior of faith, a warrior of love, a warrior of the grace of God, a warrior of prayer. You see, prophetic voices understand the power of the Ruach. They walk in the fullness of the Ruach Hashem. 
The scriptures are clear that prophets or a prophetic voice must have the spirit of God upon them. I'll just give you a couple of verses. Nehemiah 9.30 says, By your spirit you admonish them through your prophets. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 17 it says, I will pour out my ruach on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy through the power of the ruach. We need the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. How was Devorah able to have such courage, such strength? The word of the Lord, every time a million plus people would come to her for counsel by the Spirit of the Lord. How in tune are you? How in tune am I? These are questions that we must seek and find an answer. The prophetic voice must be totally obedient to God. Not partially obedient, but totally obedient. A prophet must be completely obedient. There is a higher standard for people are used, who are used as prophetic voices to their generation. In 1 Kings 13, it tells of a prophet who started well, but ended in disaster because he failed to obey what God had said to him. And you can read that story in Melachim Aleph 13, 22 through 25. God wants you to pray and seek his face, but you must be willing to obey. Tell the Lord, say in your heart, I'm willing to obey you, God. There's nothing that you could sacrifice for God that he won't give you a hundredfold in this world and in the world to come. Prophetic voices are not reactive. In other words, they speak to their generation based on their relationship to God. Not They don't react to circumstances. Like some of us do. We react to circumstances and situations. No, no. They hear from God. They're level-headed and get the word of God. And then they speak. That's something that we could probably use in our homes. Just saying. If we didn't react and said we heard from God... And then spoke, it'd probably be powerful. Prophetic voices must wait on Adonai. Because sometimes some of the things they say take a while to transpire. Like in Daniel 12. It says, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed up until the time of the end. It requires patience. Prophetic voices have integrity and honesty. A prophet must be first and foremost a lover and keeper of the truth. Art Katz said this, but Elijah was fierce and ruthless when he came to issues of truth. There will never be glory in the Kehilah till this spirit is restored. It is contrary to the spirit of the age, which is a spirit of compromise. God is fierce and jealous for truth. He hates sin, inequity, unrighteousness, and compromise. He hates those things, so he calls his people, come out from them and be separate. Prophetic voice walks in humility. You know, pride is the killer the prophetic voice and to the prophetic ministry. Pride will kill and destroy the work of God. And so we humble ourselves 
before God. It's also evidenced with compassion. Prophets and prophetic ministry sometimes get a bad rap as if they're somehow harsh. But I'll tell you what, true prophets have the compassion of God. And when they deliver a word that requires repentance, they don't do it with a gleeful spirit. They do it with a broken heart before God to say, my people, return to me. Rend your heart and not your garments and return to the Lord. God is calling some of us to return to him. He's calling some of us to return to him like when we were at first. He's calling some of us to come. And he's crying out with a heart broken, saying, return to me with all your heart. That's a prophetic voice. And he does it because he loves us, because he wants the best for us, because he wants us to prosper by his spirit. Friends, some of us are trying to get it done in the flesh. You think you're going to organize your life. You think you're going to have the right job and the right car and the right school and the right kids in the right place and you're going to do it all yourself have all your ducks in the row and then your life is going to go well no it happens as we obey the voice of God the prophetic voice is committed and tenacious They don't quit. Think of Yirmeyahu. Read through the the book of Yirmeyahu if you could stand it in one sitting. Because he endured so much soreness and persecution from B'nai Yisrael. So much. He was just the oracle of God, yet they came against him over and over and over again. But he didn't quit. He was tenacious and committed to declare the voice and the word of God. And then lastly... The prophetic voice needs to operate in boldness and courage. Can I tell you it takes courage to be a man and it takes, a, it takes courage to be a woman of faith in this hour. To stand up in the world and declare what you believe. And don't hide it under a bushel and then just don't act it in here or at home behind closed doors. But it takes courage and boldness to live a life of faith out in the world. And that's what God requires. That's what Devorah did. Devorah was out there for everyone to see, speaking the truth, speaking the word in the heart of God with accuracy. And she did it in boldness and with great courage. The third thing, women, listen to this. Devorah was a wife. It says that. I found that so interesting Why does it mention she was a wife? Didn't she have bigger fish to fry being a judge of Israel, being basically the prime minister of Israel, but it says she was a wife to Lapidot? Why does it tell us that? It's so regular, right? But in her position as wife, she took up the call of God. She didn't say, well, I'm a wife, God, I can't do it. No, she said, I'm a wife, but I'm also a woman of God. I'm a wife, but I'm also a prophetess. I'm a wife, but I'm also the judge of all of Israel. I'm a wife, but I'm a warrior. I'm a wife, and I'm a worshiper. 
How's that for having a full plate? Hey, honey, after I take care of the kids, I'm going out to my palm trees. I got about 50,000 people waiting for my judgment today. See you at dinner. We're having some great food for dinner. I'll be there to make it. So if you ever get weary in being a wife, or men, if you get weary in being a husband, think of Devorah. She had quite a full plate, but she got it done. She was a wife, just like you're a wife, just like you're a husband. She, she had a family. Because I know we think, well, if, I, if all I had to do was ministry, Rabbi Michael, I would do the bidding of Yeshua all day long. Oh, yeah, would you? I would, I would beg to differ with you. I would say that if you would tell me that, I would say, no, you wouldn't. If you're not doing it now, you won't do it then. Because Devorah was a wife. And she was fulfilling her calling of God. Just a thought. The scripture includes this detail for a purpose. God uses people where they are at and in the place that they live. You're a student? Guess what? You could be a student of God. You're a hospital worker? Great. Hospital worker and a man and woman of God. You're a receptionist? A receptionist in the power of God. Whatever you do, you can do ministry for God. And because it defines her as a wife, she no doubt had all the virtues of an excellent wife. An excellent wife who could find she was far more precious than jewels. Men, hear that. Every man that's married in this room, hear that. And I'm serious. An excellent wife who can find she is far more precious than jewels. That's not me telling you. It's not the rabbi telling you. That's the word of God telling you that. Far more precious than jewels. That's right, guys. It's not the little hobby you have on the side. It's not your job. It's not that little thing you like to do with the boys. You go out and whatever you might do as entertainment. It's your wife is far more precious than jewels. Uh Uh-oh, the rabbi's getting on me now. (laughs) It says, the heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness to his bones. Now, Devorah, a woman, a prophet, a wife, a judge. A godly wife always seeks to be modest in her dress, in everything she does. A godly wife seeks to be holy in her conduct. The scripture says, be holy, for the Lord your God is holy. A godly wife fears the Lord. She seeks God's will over the approval of anyone on earth. Hear me. 
We live in a society where we are always tempted to cave to peer pressure. A godly wife? No. A godly man? No. A godly wife avoids any present situation that would be destructive for her future, to her future usefulness to God. A godly woman always seeks to be truthful in speech and motives. You hear that truth? It's come up several times. Are you a man of truth? Are you a woman of truth? Not half truth, full truth. Scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. A godly wife seeks to be gentle and quiet and honoring to her husband. In first, in Kepha Aleph, it says, instead it should be the beauty of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is of great worth in God's sight. Midrash Tachumah on the Torah portion, Chaya Sarah, says this, Abraham's wife honored him and called him Lord, for it is written that Sarah said, my Lord is old. But conversely, commanded Abraham to honor his wife by calling her princess. Guys, this is a match made in heaven. You want to get married again? He could call you princess, and you could call him Lord. That's not a bad deal. Can you imagine if marriages respected each other like that? Okay, maybe you wouldn't say those words, but if you respected each other like that, how awesome would that be? If you respected someone so highly and you thought of your spouse so highly, marriages would be pretty darn awesome. A godly wife seeks to take care of the home. A godly wife seeks to serve others. A godly wife seeks to be a person who can be trusted. A godly wife seeks to be prudent in financial matters. Devorah was all these things. Wow, that's her most mundane task. She's a woman of God. She's a prophetess. She's a wife. The next thing she is, she's the judge, the leader of Israel. As a judge and leader of Israel, she would have the job to impart wise advice. Someone wrote that her leadership was respected in Israel as people would come to her for judgment. She serves as a judge in the more traditional or judicial sense of the word. In this role, Devorah hears grievances. Could you imagine hearing the grievances of Israel all day long, the convention about this and that and the other thing all day? And render not just a right judgment, but God's judgment. She had a religious role. And she had in a prophetic role and she had a civil role in the public place as a judge. So remember, in Israel at this time, the judge was equivalent to the prime minister of the country. She was the boss. She was in charge. We see a mighty man in Barak coming to her. She was El Hefe. 
That's a lot of responsibility. And Devorah wore it well. She welcomed it because she was a hero of the faith. During the time of the judges, which was around 1244 to 879-ish, depending on what source you're looking at, the Jewish people had no king. They had a judge who acted in the place of a king, and that was Devorah, no one else. To the critics, and if you have this theology, I'm going to tell you right now, you're wrong. Because the only one people that come up with this theology is it's biased theology. It's not based on the scripture. It's not based on the word. It's not based on the Hebrew text. That say the reason God used Devorah, even some of the rabbis, they're wrong. The reason God used Devorah is because there was not a man available. No. That's not, there was men available. Barak was one such man. To think that Barak was a lightweight, think again. Barak was able to go and get 10,000 men to follow him. He was a formidable leader in his own right. But yet, he cowered in the presence of Devorah. God used Devorah because Devorah was the woman and the person for the hour. Period. Not based on her gender, based on her heart. The Talmud calls the book of Judges the book of the straight. Why? Because the ultimate goal of every Jewish person is to use his free will to work out what is wrong and right using the Torah as a guide. And this is what happened in the time of the Judges. And it says in in Shoftim 2 that the Lord raised up judges and they saved them, the Israelites, from the hands of those who spoiled them. She's a woman of God. She's a prophetic voice for an entire nation and really beyond. She's a prophetic voice, period, for the kingdom. She's a wife. She's the judge over all Israel, handling all the day-to-day business and judgments. You think we could give her a break now, give her a day off? You think we could say, Devorah, hey, you did enough. Take a break. Are we done? No. Devorah is a warrior. Be grounded in courage and strength. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged, man of God, woman of God. Don't be discouraged. Hear that. Don't be discouraged. Say it. Don't be discouraged. Look to your neighbor and say, don't be discouraged. The enemy wants you discouraged. The enemy, think of Nehemiah in his day. They wanted him to stop building that wall like nobody's business. And they kept discouraging and discouraging and discouraging and discouraging. Hey, Nehemiah, come down here and let's have a little powwow. And what did he say? No, I'm not getting down off the wall. I'm not going to be discouraged by your rhetoric. I'm not going to be discouraged by the lies of darkness. So, we know the story. She sends for Barak. Hey, Barak, this is what God says. 
Go do this, and you're going to have victory. Barack, listen, can I just say it the way I want to say it? Give me permission, please. Please, give me permission. Say, Rabbi, say it the way, the way you want to say it. Thanks. Barack's a wimp in this particular situation. No, I believe he's a powerful man of God, but not here. This ain't his finest hour. Right here, Barack's a wimp. He said, I'll go only if you go. That, that wasn't the word of the Lord. The word was, Barack, you go. But he goes, he's now trying to bargain. I'll go if you go. And what does she say? Fine, let's go. Let's go. And she did it, let's go. Why would she be so excited to go? She says, I will gladly. You mean gladly? You mean we're going to go into this crazy, intense time of warfare and you're going to gladly go with me? Oh, yeah. Why could she do that? Because she was a warrior who knew her God. She knew, just like all the men before, just like the Joshua's in times past, that she would go and God would give victory. She wasn't afraid of a man. Like David wasn't afraid of Goliath. She wasn't, and this is an intimidating man. Let me tell you what they say about Sisera. It's actually a little comical. Because there's, there's some hyperbole here. So here's a note on Sisera. Sisera had chariots. And we know he had 900 steel, which is rare in that time. Equipped with iron nails and fittings. And he oppressed the Israelites cruelly. This guy was a beast. He inflicted upon them a form of oppression more severe than his predecessors. So great was Sisera's reputation that Jewish legend describes him as follows. When he was 30 years old, Sisera, he conquered the whole world. At the sound of his voice, the strongest of walls fell in a heap. And wild animals in the woods were chained to the spot where they were in fear of him. The proportions of his body were vast beyond description. Listen to this. This is hysterical. If he took a bath in the river, imagine this, and dived beneath the surface, enough fish were caught in his beard to feed a multitude. (laughs) That's not bad. And it required no less, listen, than 900 horses to draw the chariot in which he rode. So do you think, do you think they think, they thought this guy was bad to the bone? Sisera. He wasn't just Sisera. This was Sisera. A mighty warrior, fierce, huge, unbeatable. Devorah's like, let's go. Let's go get this guy. Let's go see him. I want to see Sisera because compared to God, he's really small. Compared to the armies of heaven, Sisera and his 900 chariots of steel with pegs, hey, swords, spears, take it all. They're nothing compared to God. Let me ask you a question. Who is the God that you serve? Is he the God of Devorah? Is he the God that looks at someone as intimidating as Sisera and says, let's go. You want to meet for battle? Let's go. 
Is that the God you serve? I hope it is, because that is the God of heaven. The Messiah came, and he wasn't intimidated by Hasatan. So many believers are so afraid. They're afraid of the enemy. Yeshua wasn't afraid of the enemy. (sighs) Afraid of the enemy? For what reason? They're afraid of the enemy? The enemy is crushed under his feet. We're often afraid as believers. We're afraid of this and afraid of that. When Yeshua comes back, you know my favorite, he's coming back riding on a white horse in a white robe dipped in blood. And on his thigh, doesn't that sound like that's a pretty impressive thing? He's coming as a warrior. And on his thigh is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And know what he's saying? I'm coming. Hasatan, your day's numbered. You're done. It's over. Not intimidated, not nervous. Matter of fact, it says that he destroys Hasatan with the breath of his mouth and the brightness of his coming. He just shows up and the enemy's destroyed. Is that the way you feel about your God today? Devorah did. That's why she's a heroine. I'm going to give you one last thing and I'm going to close with this. You know the story, how it ends, right? Forget this mighty army that they assembled, routed, defeated, because God showed up. Devorah just rolls on in, onto the scene. They do their thing, and boom, army is defeated. And now this mighty man of a warrior in Sisera is running, hiding for his life. Are you kidding me? This guy's not, I guess he's not as bad to the bone as they thought he was. I guess compared to God, not so much. And so he runs and he hides in a tent. He goes into the Kenite area. And there's a woman there, Yael. And she goes, hey, I know you. Because everyone knew Sisera. And obviously, if he was as big as they say, obviously, I don't think he was as big as they described. But I'm sure he was a formidable-looking man, intimidating. And this Yael invites invites him in. Come on into the tent. Take a nap. He says, give me some water. She says, I'll do you one better. I'll give you some milk. The gold. She's giving giving him the gold treatment. Gives him the milk. He falls asleep. She takes a tent peg and drives it through his temple. Good night, Sisera. Enemy of God defeated. The cruel bondage over. The brutality ended because of two women. Pretty impressive. But the story doesn't end there. Because in chapter 5, it tells us that on that day when they won, that Devorah and Barak, the son of Avinoam, sang this song. I'm not going to belabor this point because I think we know what a worshiper is, but when, this is the song they say, when leaders in Israel dedicate themselves and the people volunteer, you should all bless Adonai. 
Hear, kings, listen, princes. I will sing to Adonai. I will sing praise to our God. I want to tell you, how often have you, when God does something wonderful in your life, just stopped and praised God? That's what Devorah did here. Thank you, God, that you give me air to breathe and food to eat. God, that you protect my children. God, that I have a house to live in. Lord, that you bless me exceedingly abundantly above all that I imagine. God, that I'm not sleeping in a gutter. Thank you, God, for all your wonderful, great mercies toward me. When's the last time you did that? We Hear, hear me, guys. Sad to say we don't do that. But we should do that. We should take a page from Devorah's book. You have so much to be thankful for, each one of you. You have so much to be thankful for. So much. Do you let God know that? Do you worship him and bless him in your house? Do you bless him every month that you can make that house payment and say, Baruch Hashem, thank you, Yeshua. Do you thank him every time you get up and go to work that you have a job at the other end of the rainbow? Thank you, Lord, God, for your provision. God, you're so awesome. My kids are healthy. Thank you, Lord. God, that you're merciful to me, that I deserve judgment, but you grant me mercy. Thank you, Lord. God, that you sent the Messiah to come and hang on a tree and drip and bleed his blood that I could live. God, thank you and praise your holy name. Friends, I could tell you as the rabbi, sometimes I'm disappointed in our praise in this place. Because God is so worthy of every ounce of strength that we could give him in praise because of his greatness. And so often we don't bring it because why we're discouraged or why we're dwelling on the negative. God is good and deserving of praise. I look forward. You want, you want to hear the a dream of the rabbi? Because I'm closing. I know you want to go. Your stomach's going to growling. Here's the dream. Dream with the rabbi. My dream one day is that at about 10.30 in the morning, everyone would be filing in to the sanctuary of God. On time, before on time. With their hearts in an attitude of worship. Because after all, it's Shabbat. They have prepared their hearts to come before the living God of the universe. And to give praises to his name. And let me tell you this. There is no higher calling that we have as servants of God than to bring him praise. And that we're ready and we come to give our whole heart to him in worship and in praise, and through the liturgy that we pour our hearts out to God. Friends, if you want to see a move of God in your life, maybe you should try that. And watch what God would do. I think it would be quite astounding. Devorah, full package. She has everything. She's a woman, prophet, wife, leader, warrior, worshiper. 
Wow. I'm sure her husband, as she would go out to the palms of Deborah, would say, what a woman. Women, what do you want to be? You want to be like her? Men, do you want to be like her? You should. I do. I want to be able to look at a spiritual foe as formidable as Sisera and say, let's go. Devorah had faith to fight an army, literally. Her courage and wisdom in calling up an army to break Hatsor's control gave the Israelites 40 years of peace after 20 years of brutal bondage and has served as an inspiration to all who read her story. Wow. In my closing thoughts to you, I would really have you seriously consider taking a page out of Devorah's book. Be a woman of God, a man of God like Devorah. Be a committed spouse like Devorah. Be someone who hears the heart and voice of God like Devorah. Be a warrior for, for Yeshua. And be a worshiper above all. Let's stand on our feet. Stretch forth your hand. I will say the ironic blessing over you. This blessing has been spoken over our people for roughly 3,500 years. So if you wonder why Jewish people are blessed, there's power of life and death in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Father, I pray that you would overtake your people with blessings. Lord, that the peace of heaven would be in their lives, that you would heal their bodies. Lord, that you would restore their relationships. God, that you would bless their finances. Lord, that their kids would be blessed and protected of you. And we pray it all in the powerful name of Yeshua, our Messiah. And God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Shabbat shalom.